You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 104. Today we're talking about six essentials for positive change. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful. On Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of peace and, believe it or not, cooperation. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls who challenge me every day to hone my craft. So welcome, friend. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you're new, welcome. So glad you found me. Today's episode is an interview. We mix it up around here. We have some solo podcasts, some interviews, and I have my friend Carla come once a month. So today we are going to be talking to a person who happens to be a good friend of mine. Carrie Gormley is a coach based in the principles of positive psychology and the host of the Running Lifestyle podcast. She's also a mom on a mission to maintain the running lifestyle while balancing everything else in life, including family, career and wellness. So I can't wait for you to hear we talk about this idea of moving beyond functioning to flourishing and that really that need to invest in our well-being and our peace of mind. Carrie has actually also taken mindful parenting. She talks about her experience with that. She was one of the very first people to ever take it. And we also talk about the key foundations for a healthy, thriving life. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Yay! Right now, what's going on in my world is that we have been selling tickets to the Mindful Mama Spring Retreats on April 14th. You can check that out at mindfulmamamentor.com slash springretreat. And I'm also really excited to let you know that the Mindful Parenting Free Training, which was wildly popular last year, we're doing it again. Oh, yay! And it's going to be on March 5th through 9th, and that that is open for registration now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. And oh, did you recognize you guys that this is like a bonus episode? What? More than once a week. It's getting crazy around here. Oh my gosh. It's because Mindful Parenting is coming up, and we have so many amazing guests on the podcast coming up before Mindful Parenting, you have no idea. We are not only going to have Dr. John Duffy, who's all over the radio in Chicago. You guys know him, my Chicago peeps. We're also going to have from Chicago, Todd and Kathy Adams from Zen Parenting Radio. And get this, I wish I had drum roll. We're going to be having Dr. Dan Siegel, author of The Whole Brain Child and so many other books, incredible teacher, He's going to be on talking about his new book, which is awesome, you guys, The Yes Brain. So, so many things coming up, but isn't this cool that this is a bonus episode? So, lots of stuff coming up. Be sure to be part of it. Take a moment to be part of it by going over to mindfulmamamentor.com. Check out that spring retreat. It's a very small retreat, so, you know, you should get a ticket and register right away. So, if you want to be part of it, and people are coming from Connecticut and Virginia, all over the East Coast, So East Coasters, come on, peeps. Let's get it together. Let's meet up in person and do this. And for an online experience for anyone around the world, 
be part of that Mindful Parenting Free Training Week. So many cool things coming up, but I won't keep you any longer. I will just let us say, let's get on to this episode. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Hi, Hunter. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so... <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> You want to explain why we're laughing? I think we're laughing. I don't know. I'm laughing because I never do my interviews in person, but are you laughing because I'm like a foot lower than you? No, I, I don't was, have enough chairs. No, 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 I'm laughing because it just sounded so formal and we've been friends for a while and we're in this yeah, yeah, yeah. mastermind together. It sounded kind of formal. and <laughs> <laughs> So that's why I'm laughing. And what good communication we just had. Look at that. It's like, I'm thinking this, you're thinking that. Or, yeah. We practiced our skillful communication. We did. High five, sister. High five. Okay. <laughs> so welcome, friends. My friend Carrie is here in person in the studio because she's a friend of mine and we get together every week. And I'm excited to talk to Carrie. I've told you about her podcast and everything, but also because Carrie has taken the Mindful Parenting course. She's gone on a journey with self-care and with learning meditation and with her parenting and her work and everything. So that's why I'm, have, I'm excited to talk to you today. I am too. Yeah, yeah, cool. So let's go back to kind of before we met. You had your son and you were kind of, what was going on at that point in your life? Because that's the part I don't really know. So I'm yeah, curious about that. Yeah. Like, what was going on at that point in your life that was driving you to really dive into some of the learning and stuff that you have been doing in those years since? Well, I knew early on how important self-care was. When I became pregnant with William, I was living in Northern Virginia with my husband and his parents are in the area. He grew up in Northern Virginia. And when I was six months pregnant, we decided to move up to Wilmington, Delaware because my husband got a good job, a really great job offer. And we knew we were leaving all our support behind and my parents live in Wisconsin. But we came up here and as soon as we got up here, I had high blood pressure, I had edemia, and I ended up getting preeclampsia, having preeclampsia. Mm -hmm. Also, we were going into the winter, so it was a perfect storm, and on day two of my son's life, I was pretty much spotted for postpartum depression and anxiety, and sure enough, I don't have it anymore, and so I knew self-care was really important. Before we met, I had actually taken a meditation class at the yoga studio where I go, and I was practicing yoga. I wanted to apply mindfulness specifically to parenting, and it's really been helpful not only for me, but also for my husband. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is cool. So when I started on my journey saying, okay, mindfulness is not enough. I need to learn some, I need to learn some communication skills because I would say something. I would finally get calm, and then I would say something that wasn't so skillful. <laughs> it would just, like, explode the whole thing again with my toddler. Anyway, so I finally, when I, so I started to learn those communication skills, Carrie and her husband were some of my first people to help so that I could learn to teach these skills with. And that was, it was really eye-opening class, wasn't it? That was oh a my fun, gosh. fun little yeah. adventure we had. <laughs> it was, it was. And it was such a gift to be taught by you. And it was such a gift also to have Robert there. We were the only couple who yeah, were able, we're yeah, couple. to be that. And it's been incredible to use the end times when we've hit some really hard parenting times and being like, what would in thinking or saying to each other, what would Hunter say? Or this is a this is below the line, you know, or I'm out of here and understanding what the other person's doing when they just kinda like left the room because they knew they were getting to like a point where they just said, Time out, I need to leave. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were in that first class where learning those communication skills, learning like what isn't working as far as like ordering and threatening, learning about, I think some of the most eye-opening parts of that were learning about our old styles of parenting, don't you think? And kind of like yeah. <laughs> learning about how those affect our kids, right? Did you have any like eye-opening moments in those classes? Yes, absolutely. I think the biggest takeaway was consistency is not necessarily the key. I yeah. think we think like every time we have to be like this, but then sometimes it might be, well, I really want to go to the park mm-hmm. and coming up with something else. And I think it's so, it's hard because you want to say like, here's the concept, here's their choice. This is the consequence if you don't, or this is the consequence if, you know, or this is what it is. That's and, kind of the way we've always, we usually do it, right? Or people yeah, usually do it, right? Right. And so to come up really with your thing of what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and to be okay with things can change over time depending on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we don't, it sucks to be the enforcer. Sometimes yeah, you're yeah. like, I really wanted to do this thing, but I've laid down this right, <laughs> right. I can't threat, do it. and yeah. now I can't. Yeah, yeah. So definitely watching the threat, and there are some things too that I've gone in deep too with positive psychology and mindfulness is in there, mm-hmm. and this idea too of it's so easy to be like, good job, or yeah, yeah, that's nice, honey, but to take that time and to be mindful and ask a question about what they just shared or mm-hmm. ask more and not have this automatic response. And I think nowadays, because we are so busy, it can be really easy to maybe be on your, your cell phone and your child says something you're like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then for them to say, hey, you're not listening to me. I mean... I know. I think that was the biggest eye-opener in my learning with this too. And, and also in teaching people is that it's like, a lot of us were not really listening to our kids, right? Yes, like just yeah. like yeah, yeah. We just Let me wanna, do my thing. Yeah, or we just want to fix their problem so that yes. they, you know what I mean, or whatever. And we're not really listening. Yes. And it sounds like what you're saying is that the mindful parenting, reflecting back and listening, has been kind of that that knowledge has kind of been anchored by now you're studying positive psychology, and it's kind of been anchored by that where they're saying yes, like. Let's really listen to understand. Let's really practice. I would call that, I guess, deep listening, right? Deep listening. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If I can just confirm, because there can be like a lot of confusion around positive psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sometimes people think it's all about positive feelings, and it's not that. So there's kind of two types of a psychology. There's mainstream psychology, which definitely is needs to be there. That's, you know, helping people who are at like a deficit, they're not at neutral. And Mm -hmm. then positive psychology is around like what's right, what's good. And also saying though, we need to have the situations that aren't as good so we can see the contrast. Mm -hmm. And it's really around the science of well-being. It's around happiness and around flourishing. And, And flourishing is when in general, in most parts of your life, it's things are going really, really well. So, you know, when you look at your mindset around ideally having three positive thoughts for every negative, and if you go over 11 positive thoughts, that's too much. That's too much. That's too much, because then that can almost get the kind of, I don't want to say mania, but oh, it's yeah. like, for instance, there's it's a little an, maybe unrealistic. It is. Barbara Fredrickson is one of the biggest researchers around positive emotions, and that's a, just a quick side note on that is that this idea we can be happy all the time. Like when you focus on being happy, (laughs) research is showing that you're not as happy. You want to have more positive emotions, which is around joy and gratitude, uh, emotions like that. And so Barbara Fredrickson is really one of the leaders in positive emotions, and she's from University of North Carolina. 
And she uses the example of, you know, it's too much positivity where you look at your child while they're sleeping in their cozy bed and you see a snake slithering on them and you say, isn't science amazing? (laughs) 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 Then you know it's gone too far. Yeah, you need that. You need some stress response. Yeah, we do need that amygdala in the old part of the brain. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you this, Carrie, because your podcast, The Running Lifestyle Show, is... Like, I would say when I listen to it, like, the music feels, like, perky, and it's, like, very, like, positive, and your way of speaking on the Running Lifestyle Show is really positive, and you laugh a lot, and you have a good, it seems like you have a good time, and, but you've gone into this research in positive psychology because of some of the lows, right? Mm. Like, and, and you've been sharing that as well on the podcast, Yes, yeah, absolutely, and that's why I was really drawn to positive psychology, because I believe it's a massive tool belt full of tools and mm-hmm. I very much believe for some people in some instances medication is a, a critical part of it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel very strongly about that. And then there are a lot of other tools and that's also the basis of positive psychology because they go into they call it the PERMA model where it's positivity, then it's engagement. So how are you engaging in your environment? How are you showing up, you know, when you're going to a store and you're checking out are you on your cell phone or are you maybe engaging with the cashier saying mm-hmm. you know hey how's your day going or maybe even like what are you grateful for and I think it's so easy just to see so many things as transactional but if we kind of like slow down we bring back something different engagement I'm not saying like every person you say to say you know what are you grateful for but it's amazing how you feel like you're connecting with fellow humans it goes into relationships and the longest study for longevity is with some men from harvard and they're actually showing that the quality of the relationships is the biggest indicator for longevity it's not like heart health and all these other things it's the quality of their relationships you know those people you can call at three in the morning you're like i need help stat i mean you're definitely one of those people i'm like oh my gosh something has hit the fan (laughs) and i think some mutual friends of ours too we could call them and then it also goes into meaning i think it's at least my journey as a mom i had taken a little bit of time off i was a facilitator at the time for weight watchers and before that i'd done business development and pr and i remember feeling like, what am I just a cow that's smoking all the day? <laughs> <laughs> moo. And, moo, if anyone can relate. And then, yeah, and it was so beneficial. I had my own meaning, like, to do something else that just wasn't the milking cow. And then, like, my husband wasn't like, okay, now what do you want? <laughs> you know, it wasn't. It was having something, having that autonomy, which is really key in meaning, that everyone has their own meaning. And then also having achievements, so way of setting goals and and meeting those goals, not just about goal setting, but goal meeting. And then the program I went through, which is from the Flourishing Center and our the founder, Amelia, oh, I hope I get Amelia's last name correctly, Jivatoskaya. Wow. Yeah, Impressive. yeah, exactly. <laughs> she was from the second graduating class from the master's at Penn in Philly, and that's the birthplace of positive psychology. And she adds a V to it, which is vitality. Because if we're not taking care of our bodies, it's really hard to have all these other factors, mm-hmm. have positivity, yeah. engagement, relationships, meaning, achievement. Mm-hmm. And so those are things that drew me because of having depression. And I had a couple of pouts of depression. And it's a slippery slope. And once, for, for my case, once I'm not sleeping well, I mean, this for a lot of people, mm-hmm. all hell breaks loose, so to speak. And so I'm very passionate about exercise 
because it helps you sleep better. Mm-hmm. And also what I'm eating. I just am almost about complete by the time this goes live, probably I'll completed my first whole 30 and it's been eye opening. And quickly, what's a whole 30? So whole th- yeah, whole 30, it's it's not a diet, it's a reset. It's taking a lot of common allergens such as dairy and grains and eliminating them and taming as the founder. Oh, I'm like Melissa Hartwake says taming your sugar dragon. And so I'm that type of person who one piece of chocolate isn't enough. Mm -hmm. And if I have a lot of carbs, then I want even more. Even if I have sushi, then I want ice cream for dinner. I want the green tea ice cream. And what I've been able to do, so I eliminated dairy, sugar, grains, any added, even added sugar. So for instance, if I had wanted to have some like sriracha sauce well there's a little bit of sugar in there so I didn't have that and we've had some meals together sriracha yeah and then you gradually add some stuff back and the thing is there's so much research supporting this that people who are prone to depression that sugar is one of the absolute worst things Mm -hmm. we can have Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I've set up some goals I use positive psychology tools for goal meeting for here in January and they've worked beautifully and I've Never really had so much energy, especially now because I've had, which is also common here, especially where Hunter and I are, is that seasonal affective disorder. And that's where when there's less sunlight, you're not as happy. There's a seasonal component. And I don't ever remember feeling this good in towards the end of January. Yeah. High high five, five, sister. (laughs) High five. And, you know, I love that I also contribute to something we just did today where we said, okay, let's record this podcast. And we said, okay, well, let's go for a run. And while we were running, we were talking about our businesses. There were a couple of times where I haven't been running a lot lately. And for any of you who can relate, you know when you haven't been running long and you kind of need to spit a lot? So we had to like stop a couple of times and it almost felt like Hunter was that friend where you're like, you drank too much and you're getting sick. (laughs) She's just like, just use your glove. (laughs) And so, I mean, and that's like what we're doing is one of the best things we can do because we got all these great brain chemicals going from the running. We're Mm -hmm. more focused Mm -hmm. for this interview. We have more energy to give. And we really connected as friends. And we were outside getting the beautiful sunlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because you mentioned that, you know, one of the big benefits of, like, getting that exercise as a foundational component for feeling good is sleeping better. And I, it, it's funny because you made me remember that that was, like, one of the reasons I started exercising more was so I could be tired and sleep yeah. at night because it really helped me when I started running. I was like a teenager and doing like in with not a great crowd and like smoking cigarettes and like experimenting with other stuff too. And running really helped me ground. And I really appreciate that. I think it was a gateway to meditation for me. It's interesting mm-hmm. when you think about this, like, like when we think about all these different this idea of like our goals or like being like really that's okay being really fulfilled right and then but we kind of have to work backwards right it's that whole I guess Maslow's hierarchy where you know we need those basic components and then we can have that groundedness then to make those changes at higher levels and so we kind of have to sometimes it's funny like my clients are like okay so I'm doing this meditation and it's like how do we do all these things in our life sometimes that kind of fitting that all in but but what would you say are some of the components of self-care that are absolute musts, even for 
even for us, like, even if we're, you know, we've got a one-year-old at home, like, what are the musts that we need to do, at least in, in your opinion, what do yeah. you think? Absolutely. And there's research supporting this. Mm -hmm. The number one evidence-based, scientifically informed tool in positive psychology is gratitude. So if you can say each day three things you're grateful for, and if you want extra credit, say why, that is huge because it just resets your mind a bit. And so... You know, it's funny. That's one of the first kind of like uh, self help, I guess, things I ever did in my life. And I totally even remember, I remember I was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, when I bought this book called Simple Abundance. It's like got a pink cover. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but it has, I think it has 365 days, but it's all about gratitude. And one of the things, it's one of the first books way back when that said to keep a gratitude journal. And so I started keeping a gratitude journal and writing down five things I'm grateful for every night when I was like 17 or 18 years old. And I still still do that. Like I've had big swaths on and off. Sometimes I take days off, but I still do that. And it helps enormously. It's amazing. It, Try yeah. it, you guys. It's amazing. It's amazing. If I look back to the last bout of depression I had, I had stopped that habit. Oh, isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. yeah. It's very interesting to go back and see like what happened. On my podcast, there's a doctor who is also on the advisory board. His name is Dr. John Rady, and he has written a lot of books around the connection between exercise and the brain and how it's so important. And he's a psychiatrist from Harvard. He's like the go-to person. And he also does a lot around kids and mm -hmm. getting activity in. And he, he believes there are six things. And I really took these things seriously, the key to health, and they've made all the difference. So the first one is nutrition, which we've talked about. Mm -hmm. The next one is exercise. And ideally, if you can, if you can get some cardio in. You know, mm -hmm. it might be as mm -hmm. much as like jumping on a trampoline and playing you know, three songs you love or jumping rope and having those things out because it's amazing. If we just move them to make it just a little bit more convenient, we'll do something. You know, it's something fun I did with my girls that when we were stuck in the snow day, I was like, we need to move our bodies because this has become such an essential thing for me. But this is maybe you can try this at home is we we just would set a timer on the phone for 30 seconds and each of us would set do a movement that we would do for 30 seconds, kind of like yeah. interval training, but kid style. So <laughs> we would do these like wacky movements like for 30 seconds. And then then the next you know, then I would do one, then my daughter Maggie, then my daughter Sarah, and we'd rotate around. It was fun. That's so cool. We do that in my class. We did that yesterday. Oh, yeah. We call it team hit, and then you go around, each person chooses their things. That's so fun. And we'll do animals, like frogs, and then, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. skier, and speed skaters, and monkeys. Not lots, Cowboys. Lots of awesome cardio ideas. Okay, so yeah. cardio. So, so, ex so exercise. So, and nutrition. also that's yoga. So we have, yeah, so we have nutrition, and we have exercise. Then we have sleep. And and by the way, we're wired. Everyone is wired. You know, you, we have this idea of early birds and night owls. That's true. There's a lot of emerging research coming out about chronotypes. A lot of it's actually done in Europe. And they're showing how they're like four types of people. So if people are like, if you want to get something done, just wake up early. You're like, but I was always the person in college who was the night owl. I did my best studying at night. Yeah, you're wired that way. Like there is proof that we actually can be early birds or night owls or whatever it may be. And we know with kids, in general, that changes over time. Like, I'm praying that my son stays the way he is because he's an early bird. I've been told by sleep doctors that <laughs> good luck with that, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge. Yeah. He's 10 right now. <laughs> we'll do that. So you have sleep. And then another one is meditation. I really didn't have a strong meditation practice for a while, and then I – 
actually was able to interview a doctor who'd written a book about transcendental meditation, and I learned how to, I have a transcendental meditation, which I do once a day, and I'm, my goal is to get it up to twice twice a day, five days a week, because mm-hmm. I really, it's not even double, the, it's the benefit, it's a lot more. People have likened it, I have an only child, but they say, you have that first child, but then when you have the second child, it's like three more children, although some people say like, no. Having that first child is such a change in your lifestyle that just adding another isn't as big of a deal. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. It is a huge change, but the second child, I think, is easier just because you know what you're doing and you're not as anxious about it all. And I want to just let the listener know that transcendental, so we talk about meditation here on the Mindful Mama podcast. Usually we're talking about mindfulness meditation, which is kind of a meditation we're bringing our mind which wanders back to our breath or something like a focus like our breath or our body and transcendental meditation is using a mantra internally right like Mm -hmm. in your head you're kind of using a mantra again and again to sort of focus um the mind right right yeah Yeah. and it's it's a personalized one and this is not an inexpensive program you get your own personal meditation teacher Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. They see how you're wired, so I have mine, and you never say it out loud, so don't even try asking other. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the mantra. <laughs> I'm not releasing this podcast now. And then, so there's meditation, and then they talk about the importance of getting outside, and especially when it's dark out, like we need to get outside. And then the last one is around your tribe, your people. And what's so exciting, what we just did is we were outside. So checky, check, check. We got that done for the day. Oh, yeah. We we, We checked a couple. Yeah, we got outside and we bonded. We got three right there. And Hunter did ring the bell. She invited the bell. But that's not meditation. But I've already done my meditation for the day. Yeah, yeah. And I do know I'm eating for lunch and dinner. So that's pretty good. And I slept wonderfully last night. And how do you feel? I feel on fire. I feel, yeah, I feel so good. And the beauty of this is you might be like, oh my gosh, this is going to take so much time. What are you crazy? It makes you so much more efficient. I know Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. when I'm on my prime and I'm in a prime time right now. And I think better, I'm clearer, I can see the connections, and I'm not I'm not tired and worn out. If I think about mm-hmm. the mom with a young child and might be overwhelmed right now, I would invite you to think about, can you combine some of these things where you have triggers and you do habit stacking? Mm-hmm. For instance, if you are breastfeeding, is this a time where maybe you can, your baby is on the, the pillow, and there was one I was Nursing obsessed. meditation. Oh, is there something? I mean, you could just, yeah. I mean, mindfulness of nursing. And I encourage people who are nursing to do that, to actually like set a timer so that they don't feel like if you have a baby who nurses for a long time, it can be exhausting. <laughs> I had but one. yeah, like you could set a timer for 10 minutes and just in that 10 minutes, just, you know, when the mind wanders, bring your attention back to breathing and the feeling of nursing. And that would be a great yeah. meditation, yeah. actually. And then the timer, making sure you don't have one of those like jarring timers. I remember I heard someone on a podcast say like a kitchen timer. No, not a kitchen timer. Like maybe it can be a special day. And maybe when you're breastfeeding, that's the time when you do the three things you're grateful for. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You and, could do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many things now that I look back 10 years ago, I wish I would have known then what I know now. But that's typical of a mother. And I love this phrase, I was a better mother before I became one. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. But you know, it's interesting, for 10 years ago, and Maggie's 10 too, we didn't have smartphones right. 10 years ago. Yeah. Or maybe some people did. Yeah. But, yes. but at least most people didn't. And now you have this entire incredibly strong, connected computer right in your hand that's incredibly addictive 
And I think that's something that we have to be really conscious of curating that and to setting up boundaries around that. You know, Bill did, my husband, hmm. Bill, he turned his smartphone gray. Yes, that's huge. Yes. Yes. It, it's yeah. so boring to look at now. It I'm is. like, oh God, I don't even want to. It really yeah. makes, it turns off the desire to get on your phone. So if you are fighting with that, that's something you can do is just Google how to turn your phone to grayscale. I have actually, I got in an email once how to exactly do it. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll forward to you so you can maybe put in the show notes mm -hmm. so people can go to the show yeah, notes. Yeah, I've got an article on it, but it's just pretty easy. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, it's mm -hmm. pretty easy. It's wonderful. Also, what I'm doing with my cell phone is I actually put it by the door. So one, I don't forget it. And mm. two, it's... It's not in the main part of the house where I'm spending a ton of time. And so it's almost like I'm saying, okay, I'm putting this over here. I'm done. And, and like you've been such a, a positive role model in the sense of having screen-free Sundays. Sometimes mm -hmm. mine are sat usually mine are Saturdays mm -hmm. now, and it makes all the difference. That's cool. Yeah, isn't it nice to yes. just be like, today I take a break. And you just realize like oh, that was adding this kind of, I don't know, you know, it's funny, you don't realize how it adds this kind of stress or pressure. It's distraction, I guess, is what it is. And it, I think our brains are not mm -hmm. relaxing. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess they're working on the brain science now, but it really makes a big difference. So you were saying exercise, sleep, meditation, being outside in nature, mm -hmm. and other people yeah. are really like the foundational things. Do I get them all? And your nutrition. Oh, the nutrition. nutrition. Yeah, those are the key six to Dr. Rady. And then the work I've done with positive psychology, and he's also doing work with the, the people who get their master's in applied positive psychology. So you can go to Penn or a few other schools around the world and get a master's and spend the time and the money. What I chose to do is to go to the Flourishing Center and get a certificate in applied positive psychology, which is an intense six-month program, 240 hours, a weekend every month, online classes every week, final project. And it was very much into... The application, it was very experiential. And, and yes, there were books to read and things to do, but I wasn't doing scientific papers. I also wasn't taking on student loans also, which I would have had to do yeah, to get yeah, a master's yeah. from an yeah. Ivy League school. Yeah. So you went from like doing the podcast and doing the running podcast and you were a big runner and you were obviously someone who sets goals and does things and makes stuff happen because you made this podcast, which is a very popular podcast, is doing really well. But, you know, as we talk about this idea of self-care, we look at nutrition and exercise and sleep and all those things, but sometimes some of those things can turn not so healthy, right? Yeah. Like, I'd love for you to share, Carrie, your story of running, because when we first started kind of getting together, <laughs> yeah. so I've been a runner for a long time, but I'm kind of like just solitary. I go out, run three miles, and I, that's my thing. And I think I did one 5K once, like when I was 20. Anyway, but you <laughs> tell your story because it's a whole different level. Yeah, it's very different. And also they're showing right now I'm running. There are two types of runners. There's mm -hmm. like how you run and how I used to run, although now I'm running like you. Mm -hmm. So what happened was in 2006, my husband and I kind of on a whim ran a half marathon. We were in the Chicago half marathon. So a half marathon being 13.1 miles. And this is before we had our son. And I had trained up to four miles. And I did do the half marathon. I had been doing a class, kind of like a CrossFit type of thing, share the trainer. And it was a really neat, really neat experience. And my parents were on the course, and Robert and I ran it together, and we were really bonded over that. Well, mm -hmm. in 2010, one of my resolutions was, or 2011 was, 
I'm going to run another half marathon. And I got a running coach. And sure enough, by March, I had achieved the goal. But then I had officially gotten the running bug because, and this can happen, you guys, is, I wouldn't call it an addiction, but you get so used to all the dopamine and the endorphins and the, wow, if I ran this, how much farther can I run and can I do this? And since I had trained it for a half marathon, there was another one in Wilmington, Delaware, six weeks later. So I might as well do that one. And then, oh my gosh, if I can do this, you know, maybe I can run a marathon this year. And long story short, I ramped up too quickly and got injured. But then the following year, I said, okay, this is the year of the marathon. And sure enough, I ran it. I ran the Marine Corps Marathon, which is a fantastic one. It's in D.C. and Northern Virginia. I recommend it as a first-time marathoner to anyone. Although they say Disney's really good, so is Chicago. But what ended up happening is I was doing one a year, and then with the podcast, I had an opportunity to partner with some sponsors and Dean Carnassus, who's a famous runner, and I was going to run one marathon for this charity. And then the charity said, well, in addition to New York, we also have charity spots for Chicago. We run Chicago, too. I'm like, I don't know. And I said no at first, and then there's a registered dietitian who's a millennial, and oh, speedy runner, she's like, let's do it. And you just ran in Chicago and you loved it. So I'm like, okay. So that was two. And then it turned out that I could get a sponsor, uh, Gore, <laughs> for the Philadelphia one. And so then it became three. And then you became a marathon maniac, which meant you run two marathons in two weeks or you run three marathons in 90 days. And I kind of knew this wasn't a good idea. And I was thinking about, oh, this would be really neat for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you saw me during this time, and, and I had this mindset that this was normal. I'm like, yeah, so I ran New York this weekend. And you're like, what the? Do you remember yeah. that? And I was like, yeah, woo, yeah, whatever. I was kind of like, oh, my God. Because <laughs> this is normal, and these are people, like, you hang out with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were in the in the crowd, and that's interesting. It's important to note, like, choose your friends wisely. Yes, you were yes, wisely because yes. that's a big influence on you. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. And there's, there's some pushback in the running community, too, where mm. people say, come on, come do this marathon with me. You know, someone just did a 5K and people have likened it to saying like, come on, go to the movie with me. You know, this is, it's easy to sign up, but it's not the... A marathon, I mean, yeah, I just can't yeah. even imagine because I, I mean, I ran like a quarter marathon once. So that I was running for like an hour, but I can't even imagine running for four plus oh, more. more hours. Yeah. Like it just seems like, I don't know, I just don't love it enough to yeah, run like, yeah. that many hours a day. <laughs> And, and my relationship has really changed with running. We're yeah. now running is... Well, what were the, what yeah. were the repercussions? So the repercussions, that? yes, was I was in PT the whole time. Then I actually, I had a herniated disc. Oh. And I would get pain in my hip, like, pretty much any time I would run. And also the coach I had worked with, he was not a fan of, of strength training, which some people I very much respect. And something I learned becoming a balanced athlete coach was yes, you need to do strength training, but I had this coach and I followed what he said and used a product he has a sponsor from and it wasn't a good fit, actually. Mm -hmm. I thought it was at the time. And what's evolved is, and I wasn't practicing much yoga because then the PT I had felt like I am flexible, I always have been, mm -hmm. but feels like, oh, yoga's not good for runners, which is not true. So I, basically mm -hmm. my journey has been that was way too much, let's bring it back. And now what my practice is two to three times a week, I'm practicing balanced athlete, which if anyone's familiar with CrossFit, it's kind of sort of like CrossFit. Mm -hmm. However, 
you're in a room where you're in bare feet, mm -hmm. you are doing work with kettlebells and dumbbells in your own body, and then they also use something called cross core, which is kind of similar to TRX, but with TRX, the part where it connects with a bar or something, it's stationary, whereas with cross core, you actually have like this dial where you can loosen okay. this. So bit. like intensive muscle-based right. kind of. Right, yeah. high intensity yeah. training, which FYI is that right now, the research supports you're best off doing high intensity training, not running for hours. The research is not supporting that. There yeah, is, I mean, well, it's it's just, it makes sense to me. It's like yeah. everything in moderation, you know what I right, mean? Like right. running makes a lot of sense. Like humans, I think we're, you know, maybe born to run. Who knows? We, we evolved to run. Like... I think there might be some, at least walking, like movement, you know, is very natural. We need to be out moving. And, but yeah, like everything in moderation, like let's do yoga in moderation. Let's do these, you know, let's and see what feels good. Right. Yeah. What's working for your body, yeah. not against. I was working against my body. I really yeah. was. Yeah. Um, and also with running is repetitive movement. So I practice balanced athlete two or three times a week. Then I'll practice yoga three or four times. Like I usually exercise six to seven times a week. So this week, because we went for a run, then I have one less balanced athlete class. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, no, I did you're three really... this week. Yeah. Three yoga. And I don't know what I did this week. Ooh, that's my phone. Goodness gracious. I thought I was turning. <laughs> anyway, so you're really checking off that exercise. Exercise. So that's helping yeah. you sleep and all of those it things. It leads into everything and not the success of running. Excessive. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the meditation is something that you really took up. And I really did want to ask you, because you did take mindful parenting yes. with with me. And we, you know, went through the mindfulness components, self-compassion and the communication. And I'm not sure I've asked you really about this, but do you have any kind of like, do you have any sort of before and after? Like what happens? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's understanding. I would say the biggest takeaway is understanding when I get triggered. Yeah. And being mindful of what caused that and if I can trigger bus around before it gets worse and mm -hmm. then being okay with just leaving the situation. So there was one time, <laughs> this is before your class, or maybe it was even during our class and we really practiced self-compassion and fellow mm -hmm. students could relate to this where I just got so frustrated when my son was leaving the house. I think I like threw out his backpack. I didn't even <laughs> and I remember going down the stairs and I was like, whoa. And so recently we had this situation where I could just feel that I was just getting like madder and madder mm -hmm. and, and triggered. I'm like, okay, bye you guys. And I just left. I went up to my meditation time. That's so beautiful because that's so skillful. Instead of saying, you are the cause of this and you have to do something. It's like, okay, I'm feeling this inside of me. I've got this triggers. I've got this stuff going on. I need to take a time out to just yeah. chill out a little. And that's such an incredible thing to model for your kid, for William. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And, and it's amazing how smart these kids are and they, they mm -hmm. recognize things. They just soak it in. They soak it in and then they'll call you on your stuff. Oh, that's helpful yeah. though, isn't oh, it? Oh, it is, it is, it is. If I can share an example yeah, 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 with yeah. you is my son is one of these like daredevil kids. As soon as he could ride a roller coaster, he was on it. He's like full on boy, full on and jumping around everything. And he had watched a show like top 10 water parks or top 10 slides around the world, whatever it was. And there was a slide at Awkward World. I think it's called Awkward World. It's SeaWorld's water park in Orlando. And it was this slide where you basically stand up and then they drop the floor on you and then you go down oh, the slide. Yeah, yeah right? 
I know, I know. And they have three of these, the drop, the bore type of thing, and then they have one that doesn't do it, but it's very steep. Well, we went up there, and William was all excited. He's standing with his arms crossed, and I chickened out, and I went down the other slide. Mm -hmm. Well, later on, when we were leaving, we said one last slide, and William said, Mommy, I want you to go up there and go on that slide. And I said, okay, I'm going to take one for the team. We went up there. William's in the, I'll never forget this. He's in the slide. He has his arms crossed. And he sees me going over to the other slide, not the (laughs) one with the trap door. And he's yelling at me through the door. It's clear, saying, take one for the team. (laughs) Take one for the team. And I didn't. And then we went down. And five minutes later, he said, Mommy, your fear is getting worse that slide oh that's yes so compassionate you know oh, I mean, because you yeah. I mean I would say you did what you needed to do to take care of yourself <laughs> yes. which is smart uh, but but yeah though he was kind of recognizing what you were feeling which is yeah. cool and it's great and I was almost tempted the next day to go back to the park it was not part of the plans we didn't but we've talked the next time we go back to Orlando I am going on that that slide. Yeah, you're trying to <laughs> trying to overcome your fear. I went and did this go ape thing with Maggie oh, for yes. her tenth birthday, and I like did it with her, and I thought I'd be kind of fine, but I don't know. I guess like, you know, it was really kind of scary, and there were moments I was like, ah, like screaming bloody murder as I'm like swinging through the air. I was totally scared. What's it called? It's called go ape, and it's like a tree ropes tree course. Ro- yes. them all around yeah, the country. They, yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, should you want to conquer fears? That one? There's one around the corner from my in-laws in Virginia. Yeah. I think I'll be doing that one. Good luck, Carrie. I know. Take it for the team. Oh, my gosh. But you become stronger for your kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, I don't know, think about parenting in general. I mean, that's the whole thing. It it gives us these challenges, right? And it gives us these challenges in our life and the way we feel and the way we... And not even just the kids, but the lifestyle of being a parent. Like, you're... Everything has changed. Like every single part of your life is totally different after you have kids. And yes, we have to recognize like it is totally different. We have to shift things and we have to take these things like our nutrition, exercise, sleep, yeah. all those things and make them a priority. And so then, then we can grow to those challenges. You know what I mean? Like we can either look at these challenges and just be steamrolled by them and feel overwhelmed. Or we can say, these are these challenges Maybe that challenges your your frustration, your anger, or your feeling bad in your body, or your sleep, or all those different things. You can say, okay, I'm going to meet these challenges by taking one small bit by bit step. Small. That's the key thing, and and seeing when you can consolidate these, say these six things we were talking about. I'm thinking about the mom too, or can we do squats while you're doing the dishes? Or I don't know if you can do squats while you're doing dishes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not having too much. I used to have this really bad habit of using my electric toothbrush and like picking up stuff, and then like toothpaste would splatter on the floor. <laughs> so more oh my God. I know, I know, I know. And then I would do it. With my parents they get so mad at me, and I, I dropped that bad habit. Yeah. Now, actually, you know what I do now when I use my electric toothbrush is I actually read an affirmation for the day, or I have this like day by day calendar. Oh. I think by Wayne Dyer, and last year's was from. Um, not Abraham Hicks, um, a woman, she just died. No, no, no. no. Louise Hay. Louise Hay. Louise Hay. Yeah, I can't recommend. And those are also, those are triggers. And you have those calendars or you have those signs. I love the day by day because it's something new every every day and it's bite-sized pieces. So I think my takeaway from talking about all this is invest your effort, your time, what you can into 
feeling good in this world because our life is short. All these little things add up. That's kind they of what do. I'm hearing. They do. They completely do. It's not like we're saying go away for a week and a half to a yoga retreat or go in a 10-day silence. We're not these little like shots of joy. They add up over time. They do. Thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. We're going to link in the show notes to the Running Lifestyle show podcast. So if you are a runner or even if you're not, you might like it because she has all <laughs> yes. kinds of really amazing guests on there. Thank you. Yeah, it's really more about running your lifestyle yeah. and as much about, you know, get fast with a 5K. It's not like that at all. Yeah, yeah. It's for the cool runners. Yeah. <laughs> the lifestyle runners, the yeah. runners who are doing this for their health. Awesome. I appreciate you and your energy and what you're bringing to the world. I've, you've brought so much to my life. And so Aww. I really appreciate that. And, and I want to thank you for that. Thank you. You've brought so much. We're Aristotelian friends. So Aristotelian being from Aristotle, famous philosopher, and that we have like a transaction where we're in a mastermind together and we're yeah. sharing ideas. And then we're also friends where we like hanging out. Like it's just fun to shoot the breeze. We just had our own retreat and we went running and it was yeah. one of the best runs ever. And then where it makes your Aristotelian where you have those components and then you also you grow you're better together as yeah. friends you're really becoming stronger people because of each other so you're definitely an Aristotelian friend that's so cool cool good so I hope this podcast makes you go, go grow stronger today my friend dear listener dear listener thank you <laughs>
beautiful week, my friend. Namaste. Are you frustrated with parenting? Do you want to practice conscious, compassionate parenting, but you don't know how? It's not easy, and there's no roadmap for this. Until now. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I know how frustrating it is because I've been there. I struggled as a young mom, and when I found myself yelling and triggered by my child, I knew there had to be a better way. And there is. Mindful parenting is different from other parenting trainings. They don't tell you that all that good advice is as good as useless when our internal stress response is triggered. Mindful Parenting teaches you research-based tools and practices to reduce your stress response so that you can respond rather than react. And it teaches you exactly what to say that so that you can create willing cooperation from your child. You can learn more and enroll at mindfulparentingcourse.com. And you can join us for a free live training where you'll learn why your kids don't listen to you, what punishment really teaches, the parenting truth that every pediatrician gets wrong, and the hidden myth that undermines your parenting. Sign up now at mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash free training. I'll see you there.